Welcome to In Social Work, the podcast series of the University at Buffalo School of Social Work at www.insocialwork.org. We're glad you could join us today. The purpose of In Social Work is to engage practitioners and researchers in lifelong learning and to promote research to practice and practice to research. We're In Social Work. Hello, and welcome to In Social Work. I'm your host, Charles Sims. Before beginning today's offering, I would like to let you, our listeners, know that we will be taking the next four weeks off to enjoy the beautiful Buffalo summer weather. We will return in August. See you then. If I asked you to think about the word entrepreneurship, what most often comes to mind? I know when I think about entrepreneurship or being entrepreneurial, I most often think business. Perhaps more specifically, using business innovation to make money. Not necessarily a bad thing, but I think that most of us have not considered engaging in these types of activities using the lens of social consciousness. Our two guests will do just that. In this podcast, Professors Rukshan Fernando and Andy Gurmak will explore the developing social work practice of social entrepreneurship. Dr. Rukshan Fernando directs the BSW program in the Department of Social Work at Azusa Pacific University. His research interests focus on a diverse array of community economic development strategies, nonprofit management, and macro social work education. He has taught community practice and nonprofit management courses for BSW students for 10 years. Dr. Fernando has served as the Associate Director of Housing Unlimited in Rockville, Maryland. He is also involved with the Association for Research on Nonprofit Organizations and Voluntary Action and the Association of Community Organization and Social Administration. Dr. Fernando has a PhD in Community Development from Southern New Hampshire University and an MSW from the University of Michigan. Andy Germack is Professor of Professional Practice and Founding Executive Director of the Center for Leadership and Management at the School of Social Work at Rutgers, the State University of New Jersey. He previously served for more than three years as the Executive Director of the Institute for Families at Rutgers. Professor Germack has held a variety of leadership and direct service positions in the nonprofit human service sector, including President and CEO of the Mental Health Association of Morris County, New Jersey. Professor Germack's influential article, Social Entrepreneurship, Changing the Way Social Workers Do Business, will be followed by a forthcoming book, Essential Business Skills for Social Work Managers. Professor Germack received his MBA from the New York University Stern School of Business and an MSW from the Silberman School of Social Work at Hunter College in New York. In this discussion, our guests will define social entrepreneurship, look at how social entrepreneurship is different than traditional entrepreneurship. They will explore the forms that it can take in social work practice as well as offer practice examples. 
Professors Fernando and Germack identify who they see as leaders in this field of practice and offer thoughts on how a social worker interested in this field might ready themselves. Finally, recognizing the potential conflict between the entrepreneurial aspects and the social imperatives of this work, they identify some ethical pitfalls that social workers engaging in this work will need to be aware of. Professors Fernando and Germack were interviewed in June of 2014 by Dr. Kelly Patterson, Assistant Professor at the University at Buffalo School of Social Work. Hello, today we are interviewing Andy Germack and Rukshan Fernando about social entrepreneurship. So let's start out by defining the concept of social entrepreneurship. Exactly what do you mean when you use that term? Well, this is Andy speaking, and I can start out with this. This is a relatively big question, and it's actually one that's been debated amongst practitioners and academics for a number of years. But essentially, what we're talking about here is pursuing innovative solutions to social problems. And so a little bit more specifically, I mean, the way that I've come to define social entrepreneurship is that it is a practice in which an entrepreneurial individual, so that is somebody who behaves in a business-like way and undertakes new opportunities, either an individual or a group of people working together sets out to solve some social sector problem by way of combining a business practice orientation with a social sector orientation to yield an enterprise that produces both financial and social returns. And we can go into a little bit more detail on what those things mean in a second, but that's an overall definition for the concept. Well, what does it mean to be a social entrepreneur? Uh, this is Rukshan. And, you know, a lot of social entrepreneurs are sort of both end people and sort of getting back to the definition that Andy just mentioned, social entrepreneurs are not only concerned about running healthy, profitable businesses. They're not just concerned about that entrepreneurial aspect of an organization and how it carries out its work in society, but they're also concerned about the social issues that are pressing our world today, whether it be global problems such as healthcare or financial access, gender empowerment. So social entrepreneurs are people that are concerned not only about profits, but they're also concerned about the social realities, social issues of our day. And they're people that fundamentally look at things holistically. They look at things from social perspectives, from financial perspectives, from environmental perspectives. And actually, they look at things from a very social work perspective because they look at the whole environment that the person, group, or community deals with. But they try to do that in a way where the organization that they're starting or looking to expand does it in a profitable way. And so this person needs to have not only skills that social workers have, whether it be assessment skills or intervention skills, but they also have the business acumen. They need to understand how to run a good organization from a business perspective, how to tap into investments, how to tap into foundation money. So those are some of the elements of what it means to be a social entrepreneur. Well, well, are you born an entrepreneur or can it be learned? And what about the social aspect of it? So that's an excellent question. This is Andy again. And 
There's been a little bit of debate around this as well in the academic literature, but I tend to think that most of what we're talking about can be learned, which is good news, I think, for social workers and those studying in our field. However, there are some general kind of attributes that I think entrepreneurs and especially social entrepreneurs bring to the table, some of which might be trait-based. So these might be things that people are born with, but more often than not, these evolve over time through the course of one's life. We just take for an example, young children that go out and start lemonade stands, for example, when they're five, six, seven years old. I mean, this is something that's happened in many of our communities. That That's a very business-like and entrepreneurial venture at a very early age. But there are some aspects of social entrepreneurship I'd just like to touch upon. I did some research on this topic a couple of years ago, and we found that the following attributes were common to social entrepreneurs, and that these are the following. Someone who seeks personal fulfillment in their work, and I think we can see many of us in social work doing that. In addition, not having a focus on making money. Again, it's aligned with social work orientation, I believe. The next is being able to significantly achieve certain things and having an achievement orientation. Next, having a closeness to a social problem or issue. And finally, having a strong desire to help society. So all of these aspects of social entrepreneurs, I think, ring true for many of us in social work and actually kind of speaks to the fact that some of this comes from our upbringing and some of this, I think, can be taught and can be cultivated through an educational program. What makes social entrepreneurship fundamentally different from traditional for-profit entrepreneurship? This is Rukshan, and I can begin with that question. And I think the biggest difference is this aspect of a triple bottom line, and that uh, social entrepreneurs are not just concerned about, from a business perspective, the money. They're not just concerned about making money, increasing wealth. That's not the only concern that they have which is might be more aligned with traditional entrepreneurship. Social entrepreneurship takes a triple bottom line approach. When possible, they place an equal priority on the social, financial, and environmental, and I would add community issues when thinking, strategic planning, developing their social entrepreneurship initiative or endeavor. Okay. Well, does social entrepreneurship always involve groundbreaking innovation or can it take on different forms in social work? I could start out with this one. This is Andy. I think the answer to this is no, that it doesn't always need to involve groundbreaking innovation. I think if we look at some of the traditional definitions of business entrepreneurship stemming from economists such as Joseph Schumpeter, where he talked about in the 19th 20s and 30s talked about creative destruction and kind of the building of new industries and groundbreaking innovation. I think in social work, we have examples of organizations that have been around for long periods of time that are not so much disrupting industries, but they're really thinking innovatively in everything that they do. And a very good example of what I'm talking about could be Goodwill Industries International. So Goodwill, as many of us know, this organization offers a variety of social services and communities, but also operates retail stores and sells clothing and items directly to 
the community and uses a lot of the proceeds or pretty much all the proceeds to reinvest back into services. So this is not necessarily the most groundbreaking innovation in the retail space, but it is a way of looking at doing business in a very innovative way, I think. This is Rukshan. I think also it's how we sort of frame things. And I think, you know, when we think about social work's history and we think of Jane Addams and her work with the Hull House in Chicago, she was doing disruptive, groundbreaking kinds of things as she was meeting the needs of immigrants from Western and Eastern Europe, meeting people's needs in new, fresh ways that hadn't been thought of or hadn't been uh, tapped and identified. And so in many respects, the foundation of our profession sort of starts with entrepreneurs like Jane Addams and others. Well, then let me ask you, have social workers been engaged to a large extent in social entrepreneurship? And if not, what are some of the reasons for this? Sure, I'll build just upon what Rukshan just said regarding kind of social work's history and beginning with Jane Addams and the settlement house movement. I think many social workers have been involved in this type of activity for a long time. However, it's only been within the past three decades or so that social entrepreneurship has sprung up as a kind of a new area. And most of the dialogue around social entrepreneurship, again, in modern history, does not really involve social workers. And I think a lot of the reason for this is because as a profession, we as social workers have grown away from macro practice in general, kind of focus much more on clinical practice and the whole advent of licensing laws have focused or refocused social workers onto the micro and clinical practice areas. But I mean, I think there's hope in what I'm saying and that I think we have roots in this area, but we're not technically not at the table with a lot of social entrepreneurship dialogue. Well, if I was a social worker or prospective social work student and I wanted to engage in social entrepreneurship, what programs are available to me? This is Rukshan, and the first program I think of is Boston College, and they're doing some very interesting things around social innovation. There are other programs that are starting to think about this in new and interesting ways, whether it be University of Southern California, or it might be University of California at Berkeley, or even schools like University of Pennsylvania, who instead of maybe creating specific classes in social entrepreneurship, have done a number of dual degrees so that social workers that may be even interested in clinical micro practice can balance those skills out with the business acumen of an MBA. But there are more and more social work programs that are looking at social entrepreneurship because they see the value that the social work ethos and profession can bring to this arena, which is is still emerging. It's still a new emerging arena. And it's arena that young people, millennial generation Y students are very intrigued, very passionate about because people that are millennials or generation Y cohort really want to get engaged in social problems and want to make an impact in solving some of those social problems. If I could just add to that just quickly, Kelly, I think Unfortunately, there aren't many social work programs available, although there are a few, as Rickshan has pointed out. In my case, I got my MSW and then realized I needed or wanted some higher level business skills, and I went back to get an MBA degree. And I think that this is inherently cross-disciplinary work. And so if social work students or those thinking about this field 
could think more interdisciplinarily and think about perhaps getting a dual degree or looking at other programs that will give you the hard business skills. Because frankly, in much of our curriculum, we don't teach accounting, we don't teach financial management, marketing, sales, and these types of things. Well, Andy, when you were discussing the history of social work, you mentioned Jane Addams. So who is the Jane Addams of social entrepreneurship? It's a good question. So I don't know. First of all, I'll say that I'm not sure the field is mature enough uh, Mm -hmm. in social entrepreneurship to really name somebody as an equivalent to (laughs) Jane Addams. But if we go back a few years and we look at 2006 and Muhammad Yunus and the Grameen Bank in Bangladesh, they jointly won the Nobel Peace Prize for the work that he and his banking group had done in Bangladesh to help mostly women lift themselves out of poverty. And Muhammad Yunus is known as kind of the father of microcredit. And so much of his work in South Asia has been around offering loans, micro loans or small loans, three, four, five, ten dollar loans to women in poverty to help them start their own small enterprises or do things where they can leverage the credit to build better lives. And so I think Rukshan may have some thoughts on this as well, but I think that Muhammad Yunus might be known as one of the leaders in this movement in modern history. And yes, I would agree with you. I think in addition to Muhammad Yunus, I think Bill Drayton, who is the founder of Ashoka, which is a foundation that supports entrepreneurs all over the world. He was one of those leading thinkers of social entrepreneurship back in the 1980s when this idea of triple bottom line was first taking off. And then another person, I think, is Gregory Dees, who is a professor at Duke University, who was the first person ever to create a social entrepreneurship class in a business school and convinced people in the business community that social entrepreneurship, that businesses actually should have a social conscience. I think those are two other people I would add as being sort of leaders and pioneers in this field. That's great, Rukshan. I would add that uh, Greg Dees in 1998 wrote a seminal article called The Meaning of Social Entrepreneurship. And it's an article that I've read many times and most of us in this space have looked at and used in our teaching. But yeah, definitely I would agree that those are some key people in this field. Well, in regards to social work, what are some of the ways that social work educators can encourage the development of social workers, social entrepreneurs? This is Rukshan. I can begin with this. And I think, first of all, and Andy's mentioned this previously in our discussion today, I believe social work educators can really encourage future social workers to get involved in this, firstly, by allowing people and creating spaces where students get comfortable with the market language, with the financial business language, and seeing that as a valuable skill set to have. I think also we need to think about how we can be more flexible in our field internships, where students that are at the, especially at the MSW level, can do internships in social entrepreneurial kinds of organizations so that they can get a context, they can get experience, they can get an appetite for this kind of work. Andy, I don't know if you have any other ideas. Well, just one or two ideas. I think that it's important for faculty members and those of us who are teaching social work to remember that there's a life beyond the academy. So when students graduate and leave us, many of them might continue to need some mentorship, especially around 
business practices. And so, for example, I've been working for the past couple of years with one of our recent graduates around developing a business plan for a new venture that she has launched within her nonprofit organization and kind of troubleshooting and mentoring her around what it means to start up a social enterprise because frankly, it's not something that we taught this person in our program. And so I think we can maintain these relationships even after students leave us. Okay, and let's see, what are some of the ethical concerns that might arise in the practice of social entrepreneurship? So I could start with that. This is Andy. I think that there are inherently some issues that could arise once we start charging money for services, for example. So there are many different models of social entrepreneurship, but one popular model is where a nonprofit organization will develop a for-profit subsidiary or for-profit project and will start selling either services or products to the community. And so what happens is sometimes a nonprofit, a social service agency can get into what's called creaming, where they're going after those clients and those constituents that have the greatest ability to pay. Whereas, you know, that's not something that as social workers and tied to the code of ethics that we, you know, should be busying ourselves only with that constituency group. I mean, we need to really pay attention to clients that have absolutely no ability to pay. So I think we can back ourselves into that ethical quandary when we look at this business, if we don't kind of plan things out accordingly. This is Rukshan. I think another ethical concern, especially for uh, social entrepreneurship organizations that are serving people from marginalized communities, is that many social entrepreneurs, because of their strong business background and that orientation, don't see the role and value of participation of consumers in the organization itself. So Mm -hmm. making sure that people that you're serving actually have roles in the organization where they can lend their voice into the mission work operations of the organization, because it's very easy for foundations, angel investors, people that are really interested in the impact on both the financial and social perspective to dominate the direction of the organization. So that's another ethical concern in terms of maintaining that consumer participation. Andy and Rukshan, would you please give the listeners an example of a social entrepreneurship organization? Sure. This is Andy. I will refer back to the organization I briefly introduced earlier that's being led by one of my former students. This is an organization called Parent Universe, and it is a subsidiary, a for-profit subsidiary of a nonprofit organization here in New Jersey. And so its mission is to provide home visitation services and coaching services to new and expecting parents. And that is the mission. They don't specify any certain vulnerable populations. They're actually looking to market their services to populations that have a great ability to pay so that they can reinvest proceeds into the nonprofit organization, which is much more tied into helping very vulnerable communities in our state. And so this is just a very brief example of a live on the ground social entrepreneurship startup that launched about a year ago. I should say that they launched a year ago and they still don't have a paying customer yet. And a lot of what's been going on has been planning and marketing and kind of looking at strategic planning and everything that comes with that. So I think 
I would just say for anyone interested in getting into this, this is not an easy business. Oftentimes, entrepreneurs, whether they be technology startups or others, they will go long periods of time without seeing any paying customers, and they have to try to build their business. And so this organization, Parent Universe, has been building its business for about a year, and I'm pretty hopeful that they're going to do well, but this is a long road, and people have to be prepared for that. Well, is this type of relationship between a nonprofit and a for-profit subsidiary, is that common? in social entrepreneurship? This is Rukshan. I think it is. And again, because of the millennial and Generation Y individuals that are involved in this work, they don't see organizations as government nonprofit business. They see a blurring of those sectors. And so many social entrepreneurial organizations have a blurred identity, meaning that there's a for-profit, nonprofit configuration or composition to them. So the classifications of these organizations is still emerging in the literature. And I would add, Kelly, that as Rukshan notes, I mean, this is a very much emerging area. And there are some new organizational forms in certain states in the U.S. that are starting to sprout up, such as benefit corporations or B Corps. There are also LC3s or limited liability, low-profit corporations, but these are very new forms. And the most classic form for social workers is really the 501c3 nonprofit charitable organization. And we know how those operate, and they've been operating for almost 100 years in this country. So maybe a bit easier for us to launch enterprises under that umbrella, but there are some new forms that are popping up. Well, thank you, Andy and Rukshan, very much for the interview. Is there anything else you wanted to add? This is Rukshan. I just think to really remind our listeners that there's incredible opportunities for faculty members, for practitioners, for future students in this area. There is a number of different types of funding sources out there and business competitions. Because this is an emerging area, there's lots of opportunities. And I think it would behoove our profession to really get on board and be part of this sort of movement. That's great. I would just add uh, just quickly, I think I would invite anyone who's interested to get involved in this movement, so to speak, that Rukshan and I and a few others are starting within social work, and let's keep moving this field forward. There's a lot of exciting opportunity. Well, I just want to thank you, Professor Germack and Professor Fernando, for taking the time with us today. Thank you. Thank you very much, Kelly. You have been listening to Professors Rukshan Fernando and Andy Germack discuss the developing social work practice of social entrepreneurship. We hope you found it to be informative. I'm your host, Charles Sims, and I hope that you will be joining us again at In Social Work. Hi, I'm Nancy Smith, professor and dean of the University at Buffalo School of Social Work. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We look forward to your continued support of the series. For more information about who we are as a school, our history, our programs, and what we do, we invite you to visit our website at www.socialwork.buffalo.edu.